Welcome to the Heal Through Play podcast, where we explore healing through play. I'm your host, Lisa Dovgush, and I am an alchemist healer, financial strategist, and play enthusiast, which means that I love turning pain into pleasure, making big money, and having big fun. My goal with this podcast is to bring light into the otherwise dark process of shadow work and healing. This podcast features guests from all walks of life who share their stories of healing mental, emotional, and even physical wounds through the magic of play. You'll hear from improvisers, comedians, artists, influencers, meme creators, and so many more incredible guests. Thanks for playing with us. Let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm beyond excited today because we have James, who also goes by Words or Vibrations on Instagram today. And funny thing about this is I met James at the Sunflower Club monthly open mic that you're doing which is incredible and it was oh my gosh just that in and of itself if you're in Austin please go to that because it really felt like my creative spirit was so nourished and happy being around other creative people it's funny for me because I'm also in the improv spaces a lot in Austin so I'm used to being around comedians but just being around creatives who aren't only focused on comedy and create in different ways. It was so nice. It really felt like I found Soul Tribe, you know, really felt like being around truly like-minded people and not having to like compartmentalize things, which I feel like a lot of us tend to do in different areas of our life. But that's my little tangent off to the side. So yeah, I met James at the open mic and it was incredible, and we all read some poems and and sang songs, and a week before that, I actually got the download to reach out to him and ask him to come on the podcast, but my ego was like, oh, he's got a lot of followers, he probably won't even see it, (laughs) you know, and then I met you, and you were like, oh yeah, I'd love to come on the podcast, so here we are, And a little bit about James, if you guys don't already follow him, which I would assume all of you do, and you should, he is a meme artist, he is an author, a creative, a poet, and an all-around very warm, awesome human being, and I'm just so happy to have him on here, and James, I'll hand it over to you to add anything else you'd like to add. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for making it out to Sunflower Club. It was great to meet you in person. Um, as, as much as I love, you know, podcasts and these, you know, my Instagram friends and all of that, there's no substitute for that in person, you know, energy uh, when people come together. So thank you for showing up and, you know, for sharing your words you know, with, with, with the group. So yeah, I'm happy to be here, especially, you know, the idea of, you know, healing through play and that's a near and dear to my heart. And that's kind of the essence of what Sunflower Club is. You know, I think that creativity is a lot of things. And one of the things that is, it's, 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 it's playfulness. It's the, it's the expression of playfulness. And it's also, I think, a healing modality, you know, I, and, and I, and I, and I think Sunflower Club is proof of that because we all have our notebooks that we fill with our thoughts. I, I think most people like have a notebook that they, you know, and then no one ever sees it. And then it's never shared. And unless you're like a published author or, you know, have an audience. So it's just so important for everyone to be able to share their words and their thoughts and their creativity and their vision and their poetry and their, you know, their love and and to bring that inner world expressed into the outer world. It's so important. And it really is for me, it's, um, it's a healing modality. So I'm very aligned with, you know, your mission with this podcast and uh, yeah, you really um, summed up who I am. You know, I'm kind of primarily a writer and that, you know, when I was young, that was through poetry. 
Um, I worked in advertising for many years. Um, I've written a couple books and uh, now I am largely known as for my meme art, which is uh, in my uh, opinion, kind of a, a, an evolution of my own poetry where I'm tying in the visual component as well to kind of find new ways to express myself. So, um, and, and now I'm a creativity teacher and I've kind of fallen into that role and whether that's, you know, teaching classes online or coaching one-on-one -on -one clients around launching their own creative projects and, you know, hosting things like Sunflower Club. That's kind of been a natural evolution of my own life as an artist is, is, is now helping others, you know, express themselves and, 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 and learn the tools and techniques and even the confidence to, to bring their own visions to life. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. I love that. I'm excited to dive more into that and, and what you do with that. I did want to say what you were saying about the importance of bringing those works that we keep to ourselves, our, our notebooks, bringing them as the outward expression is so interesting because I didn't even, I, I went to the open mic really not expecting to share anything. I just kind of was like, eh, we'll see. But I have a lot of poems in my back pocket that I've written over the years, having gone to school for writing and rhetoric. So I've, you know, written a lot for a lot of creative classes and written essays and things, but I have a lot of poems. And it was so funny because when I read the poems that I did, it was this realization of, wow, I've read these so many times over the years on my own, but I've never shared them with anyone. And it, it was, it was this interesting, it feels good. It does. It has this, I, I, I wouldn't even know how to describe the feeling, but it is cathartic. It's cathartic and it is healing. Mm -hmm. It is. Cause I think that part of what's happening energetically is maybe you're closing out the cycle because that's sort of how it felt it felt like a completion a bit of like oh I'm able to share this and whatever was going on emotionally during that time because I'm a very I'm an emotional writer I think we all are right to some degree and I think that I when there's a lot of turmoil in my life I'm like oh I <laughs> want to write about this yeah yeah you know I, I do think that all all art is definitely fueled by emotion. And I think that another way of looking at creativity is it's the process of moving energy through us. And what that means is I've kind of like thought a lot about the creative process and like where it begins and how it transpires, right? So where does the creative process start? It starts with well, there are, there are, I, I think there are ideas that exist in the ether, right? Like, and, and we have the ability, ability to tap into those. You know what I, I always think of when I think of that is Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, Big Magic. Have you yeah, read Big Magic? Yeah, that's I what I think she of. She talks about that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that one of the, I think we I think our emotions, whether we know it or not, we don't even have to be emotional people. Emotional doesn't mean like, oh, I feel so many emotions. Emotion is just a sensation in the body. And we all have them all day. It's just like a feeling. It's just like a sensation. Some are subtle, some are dramatic. But I think we tend to like pick up on these signals with our emotions first. We, we kind of tune into some kind of a area like I think it the creative process begins as a felt sensation before it becomes an intellectual idea so I think once we kind of feel something and kind of tune into a certain energy or a vibe or a mood that's when the mind picks up on it and like starts to craft it into a little bit of an idea so already there we've gone from interdimensional like ideas into the felt sensation of the body into the conscious mind 
And then the physical act of creativity, whether that's painting, typing, writing, playing music, that is expressing that same energy through the body. It's, it's letting it out through the body, right? So that, and if the, if a creative process, if someone's feeling stuck or they have writer's block, there's a blockage somewhere in that flow. So it needs to go through us. And I think that it's a natural human activity to channel this energy through us via the creative process. And I think that sharing it in public is the natural conclusion of that. I think art is fine if it's left on its own, but I think that the act of sharing it, whether it's seen by one person, 10 people or a million people, that really is the final step of expressing that energy. So it's kind of like, if we don't express what's inside of us at certain point, I think it starts to atrophy and turn into disease, right? If we, if we have a negative emotion and we hold it in and we suppress it and we, and we bury it, if, it, if it, that does not find a way to get out in some way through therapy, through, you know, dancing, like whatever it is that becomes sickness. So I think creativity is similar to that, like getting it out and letting it pass through us and let, letting ourselves be conduits for that energy is so healing and it's so cathartic and it brings us all together. And, um, yeah, we just need more of it. We just need more. Um, doesn't matter if you're a professional or not. I just think that should be, you know, people go out dancing for fun. People need to go out and like express their art and their poetry and their words, you know, along those same lines. Yeah, for sure. And I, there's so many opportunities to do that in Austin, which I appreciate so much. I think since coming back to Austin, I was, I was in Austin for school and then I moved to Missouri for a little bit last year and then I came back and a lot of things have shifted for me to be able to find these different avenues of expression and a couple of the things that I think about is there's a lot of ecstatic dance Mm -hmm. events going on all around Austin all the time I love the drum circle every Sunday. It's been going on since like the 60s. (laughs) They meet every Sunday. Yes, the drum circle on Sundays at the Monkey Tree in Zilker Park. They, it's been around since like the 60s. They don't miss a Sunday. They're always there. Sometimes they're, you know, throughout the week. That's a thing. I stumbled across that once. I was, I was jogging (laughs) past there Mm -hmm. and I I came across it. Well, you know what was. And I went over there and saw it. Yeah. 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 The coolest thing was they, so the Sunday when the blood moon was the eclipse was drum circle Sunday. So it was like all of us there like drumming and a bunch of us were dancing and, you know, we were like howling at the moon and it was just so fun. You know, when I saw that it was the most inclusive event I've ever been to. It felt like there was a, you know, a good number of like homeless people there. (laughs) So my friend and I actually play a game of like, <laughs> is he hippie or is he homeless? Yeah. Like, is- <laughs> but like no what one is- cared. It was like no open. One cares. It was like, yeah. it was like, it was like come and celebrate. Like mm-hmm. you don't need, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was like I, I liked that about it. It was like yeah. really this open, organic living experience that everyone could share together with no pretense and you know, no, you know, restrictions. So I thought it was very beautiful. Yeah, it's deeply communal. And if you come, like, you just need to bring yourself. You don't need to bring a drum. You can usually, people will offer you. They'll be like, do you want to play my drum? Or they'll bring like three other instruments, you know, so other people can play them. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. That just makes me think of how much opportunity there is to express. And even if you don't have an opportunity to express yourself, like Austin obviously has a lot, especially as the spiritual community spiritual community here has grown I did quotation marks (laughs) I guess conscious community if you want to use other terms but as that's grown more even if you you know wherever you live there there isn't an opportunity for that there's you can create it right like there's an opportunity to do that to to complete that cycle so my question is for you James 
you expressed that you are now also helping others and teaching others how to step into their creativity. What advice or tips do you give for people and as condensed as you'd like, right? Like don't give us away all your juicy bits that you <laughs> charge for, <laughs> but as much as you'd like to share is how do you encourage people to allow that creative process, that channel to come to completion where people may be resistant to feeling their feelings and things like that? Like what advice do you give? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what someone's looking to accomplish, you know, like some, some creative projects are, I mean, I think everything can be made creative, and everything can be can be done fun. So, like, for example, I help people with their businesses. And uh, that includes, you know, I think so much of business is, 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 is creativity. Like, how do you market yourself? Like, that's a creative challenge. How do you get your voice out there? That's a creative challenge. How do you distill your message into its essence in a way that is simple, but also unique and also compelling? Like, it, it comes down to really knowing yourself and going deep inside of yourself to, to pull that out. Right. So, um, you know, part of that could be, you know, getting in tune with your own intuition. You know, I think that, you know, creativity in simple terms can be broken down into the yin and the yang. Like all things can be broken down into the yin and the yang. It's like some of the most timeless wisdom that we have, right? So what does that mean for creativity? Well, yin in Taoism represents what's kind of considered to be feminine energy. That doesn't mean it's only in women, it's just feminine energy, we all have it. And that the qualities of that are things like receptivity and stillness. And, and listening. And I think this is where creativity begins. You don't really begin it with action or productivity. You begin it by tuning into your intuition and being still and like getting your consciousness into a place where you are able to tune into what you're looking for, you know, and finding the right intention and finding the right purpose and just having the right solid foundation to begin from. So it's not coming from a place of ego or, you know, the conscious mind, it's coming from intuition, or imagination, or even the subconscious mind, which, you know, can access the collective unconscious. And we can just delve into much richer, deeper, ideas than we can with just the ego or the conscious mind alone. So that's kind of where it begins. But then that's not enough either. You need the, you need the yang or the, the masculine energy, which is the energy of action, of productivity, of work, of making things real, which requires skill and technique and motivation to to actually get things done and to launch it. So different people are going to be kind of hung up on a different part of that process. Someone might be over-reliant on the yin and they're, and they're very much like in tune with their intuition and all of that, but they just can't seem to finish anything or like get it out, get it out and like complete a project and launch it. Other people might be like, oh, they're always working, 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 but they're just, they're, um, they're, they're drawing from a very shallow pool as opposed to, you know, a deep ocean and they might need to kind of tune into their intu intuition a little bit more. So everyone's kind of at a different place in terms of their own process. So I really just help guide people to, you know, whatever, try to identify whatever gaps they might have in their own, in their own process and, and, and work with them to, I guess, you know, address and heal that aspect and to make sure they can kind of execute from, you know, 
the beginning of the process all the way to the end. And that's going to mean different things for different people. Yeah. I, I love that you bring up the point of everything can be playful and I think everything should be, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's my motto, right? Make it play. I'm curious to know what does play mean to you? Hmm. That's one to non <laughs> for a while. That's, that's actually a very deep question, isn't it? I know, right? <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind it it is it is um, activity that is separate from a specific goal, or it's um, not connected to. It's not attached to a specific result, and this is a big challenge with getting things done and with living in a capitalistic society, right? Is that focus on the end goal. So then you might say, well, yeah, but playfulness sounds fun, but that doesn't help me um, achieve the results I need to achieve in order to survive and make money and feed myself. So there's a, like, a little bit of an imbalance there where playfulness seems to be out of harmony with the society that we live in. So I love the idea of, you know, instilling play in, 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 in everything we do. And it, it doesn't mean not being productive. It doesn't mean not, you know, not being able to support yourself with your work. It, it's just the approach that you bring to something. Right. And it's it, the irony is if you're at least in terms of the creative process, when you are so attached with a specific outcome and you're like putting too much pressure on that outcome, the results are not going to be as good as they would be if you let go of your attachment and just embraced the present moment and let it become what it wants to become. So playfulness is just kind of playing with that energy and moving it and not, it's like when you raise a baby, it's like you might want that baby to turn out to be this exact specific way. But like, if you do that, chances are, cause the baby has a life of its own and a, and a Dharma of its own. So you can't force it to become something it's not. You've got to nurture it to let it be what it wants to be and what is meant to be. So for me, that's a little bit of that playfulness where it's like, okay, let's just see how this goes. Let's be in the moment. Let's not be so attached to a specific result, you know, and in doing so, whatever you're working on is going to become what it is meant to be, what it wants to be, as opposed to what you're forcing it to be. So it's really part of it is being driven by the heart and not the mind and being flexible. And also in play, there are no mistakes. That's the thing. People think they can mess up. People think, oh, I made a big mistake. When you're playing, there are no mistakes because it just becomes something else. And that's, um, for me, that's creativity. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite artists in any field is the jazz musician, Miles Davis. And one thing that he said is, don't fear mistakes. There are none. And what he said is, it doesn't matter. There's, there are no wrong notes because the note doesn't matter. What matters is, is what you play next. So like, imagine you, act, you, you, you hit a wrong note when playing. Well, you don't say, oh, I messed up. Sorry. You follow that note with a new note and go in a new direction. And you allow yourself to meander and wander. So that mistake becomes a new discovery, right? So that's for me what playfulness is, is just kind of letting things be, not being afraid of making them a mistake and just following the present moment and just seeing what unfolds. I love that so much. I'm going to start programming that into my mind as mistakes are just new discoveries. There are no mistakes. They're only new discoveries. <laughs> That's great. A lot of what you're saying is word for word improv theory, 
and what you know improvisers preach and live and be and it's so fun to me to hear that because it is it's like it's nearly word for word like one of my favorite sayings um from uh, one of my first improv teachers is get out of your head and into your heart he'd say it all the time and that that's improv right it's like being present there are no mistakes in improv like those are all things that, that we say all the time so I yeah, love that, it. I've, 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 I don't think I've ever done improv, but I feel like that should be like mandatory, like part of education. I think everyone should take an improv class. Like I'm a very strong proponent of that. A big reason, improv is the reason I have this podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it should be taught in schools because that is, it's so much deeper than teaching comedy or acting. You're teaching people to think in the moment. And there's no more valuable skill than that. Like when I was working in advertising, I would be in meetings and suddenly like it's your turn to speak up or like you have an idea, like you've got to learn to think on your feet and like say something and answer questions, like spur of the moment. And that's a really valuable skill and it's a really hard skill. And that's the kind of thing that improv teaches. So it goes way beyond just, you know, wanting to be an actor, like life is an improvisation <laughs> as much exactly. as we try to plan it every day or improving to a degree, like right now, I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, but yet here we are. So I, yeah, I, 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 I vote that we make improv mandatory um, in schools. I vote as well. <laughs> Two person vote. <laughs> All right. And I'm working on getting some conscious improv workshops in town. So hopefully that comes to be. We'll see if it if it does. But yeah, I I think that it is. It's so valuable, like just like you said. And the the only reason it's hard is because we're programmed out of it when we're children. Because as children, like there's no filter. You just whatever you say, there's no judgment, there's radical acceptance, you're just playing. And then we go through experiences sometimes traumatic that then our brain rationalizes in toxic ways and we hold on to those and then later on in life they manifest as different situations in our life that don't serve us from those beliefs right so yeah. improv i think is this like master spiritual practice where you're unlearning all the conditioning to be your truest self your yeah. most authentic self which is just a being that is just being in yeah. the moment and allowing whatever needs to flow to flow yeah the i think the the education system that we have today has been set up to basically create factory workers and like that's literally what it was meant for you know and um we don't the vast majority majority of us are not going to work in factories, nor do we want to. So the education system is woefully outdated. So it's like, we live in an age where being an entrepreneur is something that we need more of. And being an entrepreneur is improv. <laughs> it's not following, you can't just sit at the assembly line and put the things together, you know, it's not repetitive like that. Um, it's creative thinking, it's thinking, it's problem solve, it's spontaneous problem solving every day. So I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a, a fuller manifestation of humanity. So yeah, it's, Let's uh, start it's it. really important. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll Let's start improv it. school. <laughs> improv university. We'll teach, yeah, we'll, we'll teach meditation, consciousness, the art of creating memes <laughs> all the yeah. essentials for life <laughs> i love it it'll be good so speaking of memes i want to hear a little bit there's a couple things i want to hear about and i don't know what order i want to go in but since we're already on the topic of memes i would love to hear your meme journey how you got into memeing being a meme artist and all those cool things i would love to hear more about that 
Yeah. You know, I mean, speaking of improv, it was never planned for me to do that. You know, I was a writer. I kind of started writing poetry again a couple of years ago and I was living in New York city and me and my fiance moved to LA just a few months before COVID happened. And then suddenly, you know, the world was in lockdown, quarantine, you know, we all know what happened. <laughs> and the world just really turned upside down within a matter of weeks. And the internet became a very confusing, scary, toxic place. A lot of what I call argumentative absolutes, where like everyone was like, had a different opinion of what, what was going on. And everyone was so convinced of their own opinion. Right. And I was just, I started writing more poetry at that time because what I love about poetry is it's a language where nuance is really built into the structure of the format. You can say multiple things at once. And that's what is great about really good poetry. It, it kind of takes people out of this little minute, you know, absolutist thinking, and it opens their mind to more possibilities. And uh, I don't know why, but I started seeing that same possibility in memes. You know, memes have been online and, you know, in varying degrees since like the 90s. But, and I'd seen a lot of memes, but I'd never really made them. So I just started making memes as a way to express the absurdity of the world because it's something that, you know, a lecture can't really communicate. Like uh, I could write an essay, it wouldn't really communicate it. You know, poetry can get close, but with meme, I could kind of address the absurdity of living in the year 2020 and now beyond that, um, in a way that was effective. And I, and I realized the power of the meme and cutting through the clutter of the conversation. And memes, because there's a visual component and a very short written component, memes are not processed intellectually necessarily. There's a kind of a visceral hit where a meme hits you on a deeper level in a way that I could write an essay and it, it wouldn't have that same impact. So I just, I just, I, I, when I started making a few memes, I saw that they were resonating and I'm like, wow, there's something here to explore. So basically I took my point of view as a poet and my subject matter as a writer and worked on how can I communicate this message in the format of the meme? So I, 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 I've um, taken that format and just tried to bring the spirit of poetry to it and, 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 of, and of higher consciousness and of, you know, taking all the lessons from all of the reading that I've done, I've done from spiritual thinkers like Ram Dass or Terrence McKenna or Alan Watts or whoever it might be. You know, I, I've, I've done a lot of work in terms of studying and reading different traditions. So I'm like, well, how can I distill some, some of this knowledge that I've accumulated? How can I, how, how can I communicate it through a meme? And it, it kind of gives the teaching a, a new life in a way. And it makes it, it, it kind of renews it and it makes it relevant in a new way, like all art forms do. So I, I, I accidentally stumbled into it. And now I can clearly see that memes are perhaps the defining art form of our generation, because what do we interact with every day in terms of art? I mean, music is still pretty relevant, but like we spend a lot of time on social media and we've spent a lot of time looking at memes and sharing memes and you know, I, I think we often don't recognize the important art when we're, when we're in it. Like art is always made with the tools and technology of that era. Like when 
when Andy Warhol was making silkscreen paintings in the 60s, the art community did not take him seriously because he wasn't using his hand to paint things. He was silkscreening. And it's like, well, that's not a painting. That's not real art. But, but looking back, it was very much real art. And in the 80s, when Jean-Michel Basquiat was spray painting graffiti in the New York subways, people have said, well, that's not real art. He's, he's a graffiti artist. Well, now, you know, we look back on Basquiat and graffiti as a very much perhaps the defining art movement of the 80s. So art is always made with the common tools and technology of the time. And right now, the, the most common tools and technology of our time is the internet and specifically the smartphone and social media. This is where we engage. So I just love the idea of, you know, my iPhone being my art studio. And, um, you know, just, it's so amazing to be able to make and share art in real time and then get instant feedback from your audience. It's just like, um, it's like nothing that's ever existed before. Um, so I've just, I just have really, really, really dove in and, and then, and then become like, a a bit of a scholar in terms of the history of memes, you know, and, and I realized that, oh, this idea of memes goes far beyond just these little, um, you know, funny images on Instagram, you, you know, the idea of the meme comes from this biologist, evolutionary biologist named Richard Dawkins, who wrote a book in 1976 called The Selfish Gene. And in that book, he invented the term meme, which um, is analogous to the term gene in biology. So if you look at biology, because it's there's a, a selfish gene, it's a, meme. a selfish gene. Ah. Well, um, yeah, it was well, the word was gene. And then it was from um, this word called memia, which is a, the Greek word for repetition. So that he, he combined those two words to make the word meme. And uh, the idea is just like a, 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 a gene can adapt and mutate within a biological system and a change in a, a genetic mutation in a gene can lead to a complete um, change in the biological system if that mutation is adapted. So a, a meme is the same concept but in the world of culture and ideas. So a meme can be described as the smallest unit of an idea and, and it spreads in the mind and through you know, the consciousness of humanity. So any kind of slogan is a meme. You know, anything that kind of like goes viral in a culture is a meme. So it's really, it's really how ideas spread. And I think we live in a world where there are a lot of memes that are perpetuated through politics and through the media, which are very unhealthy memes. And they, you know, when, when an unhealthy meme goes viral in a society, well, the society becomes unhealthy. So I'm really into the idea of making healthy memes, you know, or uplifting or spiritual or thoughtful or artistic or creative memes that we can put out into the world to counterbalance, you know, these negative memes that are being shoved down our throats. And there's a meme war that's going on in the consciousness of humanity. And we're all, we're all foot soldiers in the meme war. Right. And, and, and everything that we say, everything we post on social media, we're perpetuating one meme or another, you know, whether we know it or not. Um, so we're all um, we're all meme makers in our own way. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. It's interesting listening to you talk about the history of it and how much deeper it goes once you understand that. And you're towards the end there. You were saying a lot of the similar things that Champ said when I was when I was talking to him on the podcast. And 
Yeah, I like this idea of memes being a redeeming tool to bring humanity back on track. Because it is, it's the smallest unit of an idea. And while you were talking, I was thinking about my own memes and how I get people who, you know, people really resonate with them. Memes are very easy to digest for people. But I'm sure you and I both have had the experience of like creating memes on like dense topics that like very few people actually would understand, <laughs> right? And I've had that happen and people who don't even understand, they get the idea of it. And that actually inspires them to be like, what is this about? I want to go look it up. So because it's like the smallest unit of, of an idea, you're able to convey it to someone. And if they want to pick it up, they can go down the rabbit hole. Totally. Right. It's kind of like it makes me think of Champ's Great Awakening map where it's like this big, overwhelming thing that's also super cool and you just want to like dive into everything there's no way you're gonna understand everything in this lifetime and get into every single thing right champ has himself has said like he doesn't even understand everything that's on the map <laughs> but it's like the opposite of that where you have just like one tiny bit of information oh here's a rabbit hole you can go down yeah if you have an afternoon free <laughs> yeah it's both right because i think that a lot of the time that's what it is you can only communicate so much in one meme so often it is just like a spark that can lead to deeper exploration on someone's you know own time but also i think that sometimes all it takes to change someone's consciousness is one idea. Like we've all had that. I mean, we've all had that of life, a life changing moment of some sort or another. We've all been reading a book and came across a passage that somehow fundamentally changed us. Like there are those instant moments in our life that can be like, Oh, I see something totally different now. And I'm never going back to the way I used to see it. That does happen. So I think, yes, and in, in one way, memes do inspire kind of a, a, a deeper exploration on certain topics. You can't say it all, but sometimes you only need that one hit, that one change in your per perception. I think the, there's a book called The Course of the Course in Miracles that says something about a miracle is just a change in perception, something like that. So it is instant. So I think that um, I'm always trying to find a meme that will spark a tiny little moment of Satori in somebody. Yeah, I, I also think of it like to compare memes to psychedelics or art to psychedelics. You know, you could read um, a huge novel by Dostoevsky and like that's like taking a big heroic dose of psychedelics. That's gonna be like an Im immense immersive experience memes or social media content is more like microdosing psychedelics. You're getting a little, a little hit every day. But over the course of a year, if you're microdosing, that could be a lot more impactful than one, you know, heroic dose. Because you're not like one meme doesn't say everything. But if you follow an account, and every day they post a meme, every day, you're getting a little hit, you're getting a little bit of a rewiring. And over the course of a year, a little bit of re re rewiring every single day goes a really long way. So I always challenge people when they say, well, memes aren't deep or they're not, um, they're not as meaningful as a book or a, something that's more like a long form art. And they're, they're right in a way, but I think it's also a short-sighted point where they're not getting the, na the nature of social media is to have an ongoing relationship with people in different accounts. Um, so over the course of a year, you know, one little meme a day goes quite a long way. Yeah, that also kind of makes me think of it's the same as saying short poems aren't as important as collections of poems, you know, like, oh, but it's it's a small poem and it's just communicating this one idea versus a novel. Right. And it's like, well, I don't know. Is that does that stand? <laughs> it's still art. Right. Yeah. Sometimes when I read a book now, I'm like annoyed by the author because it's so long. And I'm like, you really are. It's like, it's like you're giving me all this work to do. Like, I don't know. I think that 
I like re- I like books, but I think that um, I think authors should be um, respectful of their readers' time. <laughs> yeah, I vote I vote all books to become memes from now on. I'm working on it. I'm working <laughs> yeah, on it. Yes, you have a couple of of uh, books that have memes in them, and I think from what I have from what i understand it's like the world's first meme book now uh yeah it, it basically is i mean there there are some books that are there are like they're not really books of memes there are um there are like card games that are based around memes but there hasn't really been like a collection of one artists like memes so yeah the, the my book that came out uh in November of last year is called How to Laugh in Ironic Mu- Amusement During Your Existential Crisis. And it is a compilation of both memes and poetry. Um, and it was kind of a, a, an accumulation of all the stuff I was talking about with, you know, the pandemic and the world being upside down and it, you know, trying to make sense of, you know, what the world looks like in 2020 and 2021, 2022 because I feel like we live in a very strange world now and that has not been properly addressed in art in a way that I find satisfying. You know, movies and TV, they might kind of touch on it, but it's a much, we're facing a much deeper, weirder problem than like pop culture is willing to address. So I just tried to make a book that was dealing head on with some of these strange changes that are happening in our society um and that's through the mediums of poetry and memes and like i said i try to make my memes like poetry where they have a similar effect as poetry but i also try to make my poetry more like memes where you know there's a there's a there's a title and a theme that really just draws you in in a more immediate way um and that's more modern and impactful than what some people might think of poetry as being kind of fluffy and light. Um, so yeah, I try to make my poetry more like memes and my memes more like poetry. And yeah, you can get the book that's a collection of both. Yes. Wow. I love that. I I didn't know that it was dealing with a lot of the concepts around all the shifts in the world recently so that's really cool to know and I'm curious if you had before you started making memes if you had a background in graphic design or creating art yeah so I went to art school for graphic design that makes a lot of sense (laughs) and that's funny because I I I began my career as a graphic designer for a few years And then I moved on and it's like, you know, I use those skills from time to time, but it's like, it's funny to see that some of the skills you develop, even if you move on in your career or your life, you can find a way to apply those skills. So now I've come full circle and now I'm a graphic designer again, but in like a completely different way. Yeah, I'm having a very similar experience. (laughs) Yeah, but like if I had never, just the fact that I know Photoshop is like very helpful because you can make memes with anything. Like memes are very simple. You can, there's a million apps on your phone that you can use to make memes, but it's just like knowing your way around Photoshop is just super helpful. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I'm I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I have no experience in graphic design. (laughs) I just was like, I'm a funny haha woman. Let me <laughs> let me make some shit, you know, in Canva. Um, and I'm I'm I want to create a more like graphic design focused memes, graphic design heavy. I don't even know what you would say, but yeah, it's like it's very clear to me when I go in to do that. I'm like, I really don't know anything about this. I'm like, this is real shit. <laughs> this is really shitty, but you know. There's room room to grow. That's the magic of memes, though. It's like it can be sloppy. It doesn't have to be polished. I think there needs to be a certain tastefulness to it. Like some memes are pixelated 
but like it just works for it because it, it's it, it's not supposed to be perfect. So you 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 do need to know how to just manipulate digital imagery, but you don't need to have a high degree of technical skill because memes should be simple and they should be straightforward. And if they're a little bit off in some way, like sometimes that's part of the magic. Yeah, and and I'm sure you've seen this as well, but one of my favorite things is watching the way that memes disintegrate over time. Like when somebody takes one of my memes and then shares it in other places and then I come across it and I'm like, it's cropped in a weird way. There's other watermarks. It's like so, it's just this meme has had a life. Memes take on a life of their own. Which is a thing. I love it. Elon, Elon Musk posted a meme yesterday and some of the people in the meme community were like yelling at him for not for like cropping out the watermark or something like he, he didn't, but like, you know how that, ha- that happens with my memes all the time. Like I'll, 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 I'll watermark it. And then somewhere along the line, my watermark will get taken out and then it'll continue to go viral without being accredited to me. And it's like, that's part of the game. You know, when I, right. my the risk meme, you're taking, you know, my memes are original, but they're inspired by meme templates that exist, right? Memes are by nature are borrowing from other memes. Like very few memes are 100% original. You take a concept and you adapt it, you know? And then, so a lot of the meme ideas that I adapt are completely anonymous, right? So I can't be too precious about being credited because it's just the nature of memes and memes are inherently and historically anonymous, but now we live in a world where people are starting to make more, you know, art with them and, 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 and artists should be credited. So it's, it's definitely a gray area. You should definitely credit the artist if you know who it is, but I always say like, I rather have my meme shared without credit than not shared at all. So that's yeah. true. I like yeah. this mindset. I remember funny story I had a that happened. It was I always watermark my memes in a couple of different places just to, you know, be safe. But I'm always aware that like things could happen. It is what it is. And I had this account that had shared one and someone shared it. It was so funny. Someone someone that like a mutual friend of mine on Instagram shared on their story. And I was like that's my meme. So I like went to the account and um, I posted about it on, on my story being like, Hey guys, let's not steal other people's stuff, you know? And my friends were like, went ballistic. They were like, credit Lisa, like in the comments going at this guy's throat. And I just kind of was like nonchalant about it. And they were so mean about it. I was like, you guys, I didn't intend for this. And then of course he comes in my DMs is like, why is everyone so mean to me? <laughs> like, I, I shouldn't mean for that. I just, I was yeah. just saying, let's, let's credit people, you know, he was, it was fine, but I think I definitely ruffled some feathers there. So I was like, Ooh, gotta be a little more conscious about the way that I <laughs> bring these things up. In the yeah. Future. I'm always torn. You know, sometimes I'm like, Hey, I made this meme or, you know, sometimes I, Sometimes I just let it slide. I'm just yeah. like, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's somewhere like Pinterest or Facebook. I'm like, it's it's been enveloped by the masses. It is not my problem anymore. <laughs> I don't know. If it's still on Instagram, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could get the person to like tag me or something. But if it's in a That's weird the place, highest. Like, I mean, it's the highest, uh, it's the highest, you know, tribute you can give a yeah. meme is to, it, 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 for it to take a, on a life of its own and, mm-hmm. you know, go beyond you the 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 the, the, that's why i always water water market it's like people are gonna at a certain point along the line people are gonna stop Mm -hmm. not gonna be able to you know keep up with who made it so yeah you want you you, the goal of the meme is to perpetuate itself and to replicate and to live on so Mm -hmm. yeah you want credit but you also have to let the meme live yeah it's a good practice and you know, managing the ego, (laughs) right? The ego wanting credit, but then just it's the flow of life, right? 
I would love to hear if you have a personal story of healing through play, if you have anything that comes to mind specifically on that topic. Hmm. Well, the best example that comes to mind is just in my own life, going from working in a corporate environment to, you know, being an artist on my own. And I had a creative job, you know, I worked in advertising. So my, my job was inherently creative, but it didn't feel playful because I was always working very strictly within the confines of a project. And often in a corporate setting, you know, the, the, the type of clients I was working with were things I didn't even align with morally you know, nothing, nothing too bad, but just like, just things I'm like, I don't even support this company and like what, the, what they do. So it's like working on a project like that is just not playful and inspiring. It, you really feel claustrophobic. So a lot of that changed, you know, when I moved to LA and started working remotely. And especially then when the pandemic happened. And I think a lot of people were forced to kind of reprioritize their lives and be like, is this truly making me happy? And that's when I started writing poetry, making memes, et cetera. And the difference between, cause I can work all day on something I love all day. It's like all I want to do. If I'm writing a book or making art, it's like, you got to pull me away from that. So that's because it's coming from your soul. It's coming from, you're expressing something that is, feels true. So changing a relationship to work and, you know, for me, that's been everything. It's been such a healing process to, to just kind of purge that, you know, the, the stuffy corporate world out of my system and now working from a place of you know inner purpose and inspiration has definitely been a, a huge healing journey for me over the past few years yeah thank you for sharing that I love that and I want that inspired to all of you <laughs> who are hoping to you know start your own thing or just get creative right that's uh, when you're following your soul's calling, it feels easy. It should exactly. feel easy. It exactly. Should feel easy. Mm. Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much, James. If you want to share where people can find you, if there's anything that you'd like to plug, now is the time to do so. Well, you can find me on Instagram at words are vibrations. And at the link in my bio, you can buy my books you can go to my website to, you know, check out my, you know, coaching and consultation services. And I'm going to be offering another meme course soon. So I'm going to be doing another round of meme school where I'm going to be uh, teaching the art and philosophy of memes. So that'll be launching soon and you can sign up for that as well. Yeah, you already got a little snippet of that. So you can look forward to more, <laughs> more meme-tastic information and education coming your way. <laughs> I love Absolutely. it. Well, thank you so much, James. It's been so delightful, such a good conversation. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heal Through Play. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and feel free to share your thoughts with me through an Instagram DM. I'd love to hear how this episode resonated with you. Also, please check the show notes for links on how you can connect with me and the guest of today's podcast. There's also a link 
to a form you can fill out if you'd like to be featured on the podcast and share your stories of healing through the energy of play. If you're seeking to work with me, I'm currently taking on clients and business partners for my financial services business. My vision is to have 100 licensed agents in the U.S. by 2023 and help 100 families become financially literate and create generational wealth. So if that's calling to you, send me an email at contact at lisadovgish.com or send me an Instagram DM at lisadovgish. Again, thank you for tuning into this episode and I cannot wait to connect with you. Until next time.